Welcome to the Automotive Diagnostic Podcast. We're going to explore ways to sharpen our diagnostic skills, find learning resources, and hear from experts in the automotive field. Hey, what's up, automotive world? This is the Automotive Diagnostic Podcast. My name is Sean Tipping. I will be your host today. Today on the show... I have a very special guest joining me. I've got a lot of respect for this guy. He is one of uh, the most genuine and generous people out there in our field. Uh, Paul Danner, or aka Scanner Danner, uh, is going to sit down with me today. Uh, We're going to talk about a number of things in the automotive world, a little bit about teaching, a little bit about hockey. Um, I'm really excited to sit down and talk with him. If you're not familiar with Paul, uh, make sure to check out his website. I'm going to put all the links in the show notes, and I'll have a few notes on that after the interview. But let's jump right into it. Well, Paul, how's it going? It's going good, man. I'm awesome. glad you uh, invited me to do this. I'm I'm excited to sit down and talk with you. Oh man, yeah, I'm super happy uh, to have you on the show. Uh, just a big a big fan of what you've done. Uh, you know your collection of content, so much awesome stuff that's helped a lot of people, and uh, really excited to get to talk to you here. Yeah, I know we have a lot in common uh, via uh, cars, and then I see your hockey pictures. So, you know, we both play uh, what I call old man beer league ice hockey. So, um, you know, that meme I sent you, I'm going to shoot this puck in your general direction <laughs> is one of my favorite <laughs> memes. So, I mean, we have we have a, a lot in common. <laughs> yeah. How, how long have you been skating for? Oh, um, I, you know, I didn't start until I was 23. So I was a... You know, I just uh, posted a, a recent story here on Facebook and YouTube, like my career path. And I mentioned being a pothead and pretty much all I did in school was just just party and do nothing. And it wasn't until after um, I kids like playing roller hockey, like down the street. And I'm like, hey, man, can I play? You know what I mean? <laughs> and so I put, I put some skates on for the first time and grabbed a stick and. And uh, I was hooked ever since. And they used to call me the fall guy because I would just fall all the time, just <laughs> fall and fall. And I still do. I mean, you know, but uh, so I started when I was 23 and, you know, I played like roller hockey for 10 years until I switched to ice. And I didn't start playing ice till I was like 33. I'm 47 now. And I, I mean, I'm hooked, man. I, I play probably two, three times a week I'm playing. So it's pretty awesome. And I, I got the opportunity now my oldest is 22 and I play in a young man's roller hockey league with him uh and he's my line mate so playing with my son has been like it's just there's nothing like it I mean it's just the most amazing thing ever you know having having kids young had its had its perks for sure now you know I get to play on a on a team with my son it's just the best ever so yeah Yeah, if it wasn't for him I wouldn't still be playing roller hockey you know but uh um, but with him, I mean, it's worth, it's worth playing. So, yeah, I haven't tried the roller hockey thing yet. I don't know. I feel like stopping and turning has got to be a pretty different with the, yeah. with the bl- you'll, roller you'll blades. Hate it. You'll, <laughs> you'll hate it. You'll hate it if, if you never did it before. So it, it's been difficult to transition some days I'll have a roller hockey game. And then a couple hours later, I have an ice hockey game and it, have to adjust in your skating style uh, you know between both for sure it, it's a it's a little bit different so yeah no kidding um the, the thing about you, you call it beer league hockey that's that's what we play too it's just a bunch of guys getting together and have some beers after but you know you're you're out there on the ice and you're skating around and while you're doing it you feel like this is so fast. Like the pucks moving so fast and everybody's skating so quickly and I can barely keep up. And then if you happen to watch a game at the same skill level (laughs) that we're playing at, you're watching it from the outside. You're like, wow, those guys are moving really, really slow. (laughs) It's, it's so weird when you're on the ice, it feels so different than what's actually happening. But uh, it's, it's a blast when you're out there for sure. Yeah, it is. And it's good to have a release. You know, we do this car stuff and, 
sometimes we are because it's beating us up for the day and you know a little bit of physical activity is a good thing for for everyone so any takeaway with that is do something physical to you know get you put your mind at ease you know it doesn't have to be you know people use substances for that and i think it's good to it's good to be able to get out and get your blood pumping and you know have some camaraderie too man it's pretty awesome so yeah yeah i've met some really cool people through hockey too that i don't think i would have ever crossed paths with otherwise um it kind of it draws some like-minded people together and uh yeah, it's it's a lot of fun um but yeah to your point man especially nowadays uh with with everything going on like staying physically fit or like you said just getting out and getting your heart yeah. going and stuff like that it's more important than ever and some people you know they don't like going to the gym and, and doing the traditional workout thing but boy, it's, it's, it's a hell of a workout and you're having fun at the same time. So you barely notice it. So I'd, uh, I'd recommend anybody try yeah. out something like that. If they're, if they're looking to <laughs> get, get into a good physical shape, that's, that's definitely a way to do it. Yeah, for sure. And they have like leagues that for beginners, like they have like most of the ranks around me anyway, in the Pittsburgh area have what they they consider a a draft league it's like a d league like the lowest level where anyone can play and then they divvy out the teams and you know that's a way to get started you get, just get your you know get your name get familiar with people and that's you know that's how it starts just just put some skates on go do it <laughs> <laughs> that's right yeah you're, you're gonna fall down and uh <laughs> you got you got pads on so it's all good and uh everybody i've played with like i said i've met some really cool people but everybody's been so uh, you know accepting and you, you you're gonna make mistakes or you're gonna fall down but it doesn't matter just out there to have some fun but uh yeah i wouldn't uh wouldn't trade that for anything it's it's a blast so yeah sometime uh if I'm ever out your way or you're ever up this way, we're going to have to strap some skates on and <laughs> have, a, have a game. Heck or yeah, something. definitely. Where, where are you from? I'm just north of the Twin Cities in Minnesota, about about half hour north of there. Okay. So you guys, you get colder there than it is here. You're probably skating on some ponds up that way too. Probably. Yeah. We just got four inches of snow last night. They haven't flooded the rinks outside yet, but uh, probably won't be too far off now. So I, I actually didn't start till I was in my uh, late twenties myself. Uh, I never played when I was younger, but same thing. Uh, got together with some buddies and just got hooked. Yeah. Once you get bit, man, there's nothing back. <laughs> For sure. Well, uh, hey, what else uh, is going on new with you? What do you What do you got going on with you or your company? Or, well, yeah, I got a couple things I'd I'd like to share. Um, you know, a lot of people would probably already know, but uh, w- number one is my my second born, Caleb. Um, he actually just got married and and bought a house, and which is awesome. I mean, what what nineteen year old kid does that? That's that's fantastic. Um, and uh, I just have. Yeah. And I have my community to thank for that because it's really provided um, a job for him, which really when he was 16 and I handed him the camera the first time, uh, you know, over three years ago, um, actually he's almost 20. He'll be 20 here in a couple of days. Um, he's still a young man, of course, for what he's doing. But you know, when I handed him the camera, like almost four years ago, it was just kind of a side, little side hustle for him to help me out. And you know, over the years of, of me working with him with editing and what's important, and then he's learning the car. And so it's gotten to the point now where when we film, you know, of course, he's my cameraman and he's my editor now. And I'm not involved at all in the edits, like literally zero. I do in editing what used to be, you know, we, we do a, a 40 minute video is probably our average length. And to edit a the, the video down to 40 minutes. I mean, you're talking 10 hours of edit time on average wow. that, that would take to produce that. And that's a, a huge amount of my time. And now my son, he works for uh scanner Danner LLC full time. He's my editor. He's my cameraman. He's, you know, he, he, he's what allows me to, you know, do a podcast at one forty-five in the afternoon. And, you know, I just looked at a car earlier today, but uh, you know, just, the freedom that, that that's provided to, you know, just allow me to work on what we're doing and the content. And so I just wanted to, you know, 
say thanks to my son, especially he's really what makes makes this happen. And then, of course, my brother, you know, over the past uh, year or so, we've been filming at his shop and he, you know, he just bought the garage that he's been working for the past 25 years. You know, I've been telling my brother forever he's underpaid at this garage. I'm like, you need to leave. You need to leave for like the past 25 years. And, you know, basically he, you know, showed that there isn't one way to do things that, you know, he stuck it out. He was comfortable. He liked it and he bought the place. So, I mean, you know, it's kind of sticking it back in my face. Like, what are you talking <laughs> about, Paul? You know, I had this planned all along, you know, it's his shop now. And, and I get the benefit of now, like going to my brother's shop. That's where we do all of our stuff. And it's just super cool to, to be with my brother, <clears throat> to be with my brother and, and then to be with my son and then my, you know, my daughter and then my other son has been uh, coming in and helping with the camera work on occasion. So it's just kind of like a Danner, a Danner family uh, thing. It's kind of morphed into and it's just a, it's just been a blessing. So that's that's the new you know part of what's going on for those that that uh, maybe didn't know. And um, uh, what else? There's, there's actually um, two other things I, I want to talk about. Um, which a lot of people aren't aware of. Um, one is that we are now doing uh, a what, what we call an SD grant, a scanner Danner grant uh, at Rosedale Technical College. So the, the technical college that I teach at, Rosedale Technical College in Pittsburgh, we have a lot of grant programs, uh, not just D grant. So if anyone's interested, you just go to uh, www.rosedaletech.org and you can look at our grant program. So to help people get into a trade, uh, we have these programs. And the SD grant was one where, you know, as an instructor, I have often over the years ran into a student that I would say, hey, why'd you miss yesterday? And they'd say, well, I didn't have money to put in my gas tank. And so I stayed home. I, I literally didn't have gas money. When you're going to school, and you're working, and maybe you're paying for childcare or whatever it may be, it's really difficult because you can't work as much as you want to because you're at school full time. And so, you know, I've often helped that type of student. And when I thought about doing this, I was like, man, wouldn't it be nice to be able to have this grant in place where it's being funded uh, by the school? So that particular student in need can now go to the front office and say, hey, can you help me out? And there's some there's some resources there and that's what the SD grant is for. So this SD grant, I'm excited about that because all of my merchandise sales, everything that I'm getting from that goes into this SD grant. And uh, it's been, it's been pretty, pretty cool to give back. So I, I wanted to talk about that and there's one other one, but I don't, we can talk about that in a, in a few, if you have any, any comments or questions. Sure. Yeah. That's, that's fantastic. Cause uh you know, I've definitely seen the same thing is, you know, there's some students that come in, they do their thing every day, they're good to go. But then there are, you know, there's always going to be this, there are students that are struggling with stuff outside of school and whether it be financial or whatever else. And um, yeah, having the means to, to help them out so that they can focus on their schoolwork. Cause a lot of these students, that's, that's what they really want to do. They want to come in and learn, but they're being pulled in five other different directions by, by life, whatever it's throwing at them. And man, to be able to, to give them some assistance there, uh, that is, that is so cool. Um, you know, we try to, we try to do the best we can at school and, you know, getting with them and helping them out. Um, especially, especially nowadays with, you know, they've got even more stuff to worry about on top of the, the normal things. Uh, that's, that's a big yeah. deal. And are you teaching? I for, are you teaching somewhere? somewhere? Yeah. I forget. Yeah. I, I teach at are. the local community college for our auto program and, uh, we're, that's right. Being allowed doing that. Uh, this is my fourth year that I'm doing, so I'm still pretty fresh at it. <laughs> okay. No, that's cool. Yeah. So um, you've seen that then, you know what I'm talking about? You see the despair on some of these kids and you got a guy that, or, or a girl that maybe, you know, I've had them too, where they brought their kid in because they, they couldn't afford daycare for the day or a day, you know, I've, you know, it's, it's tough to, to, and it's nice to be able to, to give back, you know, it's not, this, this isn't all, all for me. It's something you don't realize when you're going into it, that 
you have to kind of almost pry a little bit with some of the students. I mean, within reason, but if they've got something going on, they're not always open about it. And so, you know, you got to ask, you got to say, Hey, what's, what's going on? Is there something we can help you with? And there was a student a couple of years ago, I would have never guessed, but he was in a, like a foster system and he's being moved around from place to place to place. And he's got so much weighing down on him in his personal life. And he's trying to do the school thing too. And so (laughs) you got to, you got to see how you can help them. And luckily the college has a lot of resources as well, but um, it's such an interesting dynamic that I I didn't consider when I went into it at all. Yeah, no, it's, it's great to, you know, some people don't have their privilege privilege to see that. And we as instructors do, you know, what we get to cross paths with people in ways that are not about cars. So there was definitely a pleasant uh, surprise to me when I started teaching too, and just becoming part of their lives and interacting with them and trying to help them as much as you can. And, you know, all, all good stuff, man, you know, and, you know, it's good to, it's good to hear that you do the same. And I just think there's unfortunately so many negative voices in our field, even with instructors and the negative voices should never be coming from an instructor ever. If you're, if you have a negative aspect of this field and you're teaching, you should not be teaching period. So that's my, that's my opinion on that. Yeah. Yeah. I 100% agree. Um, Yeah. Some of the connections with students during uh, school, but then after has been really cool to stay connected with them and Mm -hmm. see what they're doing. I got one guy who's doing uh, mobile Tesla work. He goes to people's houses and uh, works and he fixes the Teslas right there out out of his van. And that's, I was like, that's so cool. Um, Yeah. It's, it's, that is cool. Really, really neat to see, you know, how they take off. And like I said, I've only been doing this for four years. I have to imagine, you know, you've seen for how, how long did you teach for or still going? Well, it's, um, this September, this September's 20, yeah, 20 years now I've, I've uh, been with Rosedale Technical College and, you know, my role has changed, uh, the last few years, but, uh, you know, I'm still, I'm still an employee at Rosedale Tech. So yeah, uh, September, uh, September of 2000 is when I started and, you know, here we are in t- t- uh, 2020. So it's, it's been 20 years. So you've probably seen some students, I mean, yeah, 20 years of their career uh, really take off and, uh, <laughs> you know, yeah, do sure. well. I mean, one in particular is my buddy. I got to, I got to mention his name. It's uh, Tommy Wolf. Actually, I can mention a few of them. Tommy Wolf, uh, Mike Molesky, names you'd probably know. And then Justin Sonic, uh, those three guys in particular are really, really doing well. And it's funny because they were in the same class together. And uh, it's like three students that I still am very much connected to, um, in particular, Tommy, because he's like my neighbor. And, you know, Tommy uh, went through some real hard times. He lost his mother and he lost his grandfather uh, in the same day. And that, that's who he lived with at the time. Uh, and he was a student in my class. And I just kind of he was a 19 year old kid. And I just kind of, you know, embraced him and, and kind of took him under my wing. And, and Tommy's like my best friend. This is like a student of mine. He's, he's 30 now. And, you know, there's a pretty big age gap, but you know, there was more so before, but you know, he's just been, he's just one of my closest friends. It's pretty amazing that you can have that kind of uh, relationship, even, you know, with a student that last, uh, you know, tested, uh, I don't know what, what the phrase I'm looking for. Um, stands the, t- the test of time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stands the, yeah, yeah. Some, something T- like that. The, yeah, the test go. of time. Stands the test of time. <laughs> there, there you go. Um, <laughs> so bad with phrases. Um, uh, so I wanted to ask you, I like to ask any, uh, any teacher instructor that I know uh, about this, especially somebody that's got it polished, that's been doing it for a really long time. When you first made your transition from technician working on cars to going in and teaching, can you tell me what that was like? Because I remember for me, my first day, I had never taught in front of a group. You know, I'd been in the shop and I'd helped people a lot and I liked it, but I'd never 
actually instructed a group of people and it went terribly and I was super nervous and, and and I went through my material really, really fast. And, um, it was just, uh, it was very humbling experience. And I always like to hear what people's experience was, you know, when they first started out teaching. Well, I, I, I remember it well. And, um, one of the things I remember is being physically, not physically drained, um, uh, emotionally drained, mentally drained. It was the first time in my life that I had ever felt that type of, of, um, drain on me. Like, of course, you know, physical activity and feeling tired and, and physically drained is, is I've experienced that many times, but never, never mentally. And so that's what it felt like to me when I first started, I would, I would prepare probably maybe two hours a night before every class. So I would just write down kind of bullet points and stuff that I wanted to talk about. And sometimes I remember writing, you know, even a paragraph and just so I have this paper in front of me when I was teaching, just to give me a guide where I, I knew where I was. And, and you know, I'd write on the, this whiteboard with markers and everything I had written down on my paper, I was writing up on the board and it allowed me to kind of keep my thoughts in order. And, but you're right. I mean, I flew through the material and, you know, it's funny that the same material that I would have introduced, you know, five, six, seven, eight years later, it's like, I used to spend five minutes on that. And now I spend like five hours on that from like one, like bullet point. And it's, it's kind of, that's the way it goes. You know, the more you teach about a subject, what changes for, for me is, you know, when you get that question from a student that you never thought of and you're like, Oh, I, I'm not sure. And I, I need to get you an answer for that. Well, when you find that answer and you answer that student, that becomes part of your your discussion on that subject. And so, you know, over the years, I can't tell you how many times I've had people say, you know, I have this question. And as I'm watching you, you you keep answering the questions that I have in my mind. How do you do that? <laughs> well, the answer to that is that same question has been asked me about 50,000 times and I have it down and I know where all these questions are coming from. And uh, that's the beauty of, of longevity and teaching a particular subject is you have that, you have that luxury, but no, it, it was absolutely a, a difficult transition. Um, but it was one that I, I really loved from the get go. I really did. I've always liked to, to teach. I used to annoy people in the shop. I'm like, Hey man, come over here. Let me show you how this works. And they're like, I don't care. Dan. I don't care. I'm like, okay. All right. Yeah. There, there's a, there's a certain personality, uh, type that's, that's drawn to it. I think, um, that, that prep time that you mentioned to yep. the, the getting the material ready beforehand, that was something that took me back to, cause what I thought would take I don't know, a day, a day and a half to get through. I was through by lunch. Now, again, going way too fast, but I didn't realize that if you want to teach for an hour, you've got to prep three, four hours at some, you know, sometimes to really get all this stuff ready. What gets presented to the class, you, you don't always realize the work that's put into it. And I think that's true for, for any teacher, even if you're going to, you know, technical training at places like vision and stuff like that. The, the work that guys and gals are putting into the classes, man, it's crazy. Yeah. Especially, especially the first time you're teaching through it. Yeah. I think that's the biggest thing is, you know, fortunately in the position that I'm in at Rosedale tech and has been for many, many years is I'm teaching the same class over and over and over and over again. And so I have, you know, I have this particular group of students for eight weeks. And so I, I teach them this subject for eight weeks and then the next eight weeks, it starts all over again. And so over time, you, you get to really refine your material and the way you deliver it and the way that, that, um, you know, whether it be handouts or a textbook or whatever, uh, that you, you know, just have a really good flow, uh, of the class. And fortunately for me, uh, before I ever turned the camera on and became Scanner Danner, which was like 2011, um, I had 11 years to teach this this subject. I had 11 years under my belt before I ever turned the camera on. And so a lot of, I get questions that a lot is how how do you know so much? How do you how do you retain? How do you remember that? Well, if you teach a subject for 11 years 
and every eight weeks you're teaching the same subject again, trust me, you get really good at it, you know? And so that's what people don't know. Like behind the scenes is like, you know, I didn't just turn the camera on and know all this stuff. There's 11 year gap that everyone missed. And, and now, I, I mean, I'll never be able to recreate that again. And now, you know, there's, there's things now that, you know, people that have followed me maybe for the past nine years, I've taught them everything I can. Like what you're watching now is me learning as I go. This is what it looks like. I have I have no other hidden things to show you and share with you that that I've been holding back on. <laughs> so, but I'm okay with that. It's fine. I I realize that um, my role is different, and uh, what I am doing now globally uh, is what I've always done with the classroom. I'll take a group of students that know nothing and I'll get you up to where you need to be. And then, you know, it's like opening the cage, a little birdie fly away. You're done. I've taught you everything I can have a great life. And I want to see you succeed. And, uh, you know, that's, that's what, what I, I rest on that. I don't have to be that cutting edge guy and I'm okay with that. I'm okay with, uh, teaching the guys, the foundations and, and, uh, having a new group coming in and, you know, just watching that happen too. On, on a side note, like I see a lot of the guys that, that started with me that have their own YouTube channels and are doing really, really well and are way more advanced than I am now because they're on the front lines of the field. Not Sometimes I hate that and I'm not on the front lines anymore, but I have a decision to make. I can't be everything all at once. And, you know, so I'm focused on this part. I'm focused on the foundation for the guys and, and, uh, you know, learning learning at a slower pace than i want to but that's okay too the foundation doesn't change so well i can say i really enjoy uh, you know the videos when you know you're out at a shop your brother's shop uh because it it is it is realistic it's what all of us go through as far as a process of learning something new and figuring out something on the fly cuz everybody's got to do that at some point or another and just the, um, you know, the, the way that you have to think through a problem and the realistic process that happens with somebody's brain. It's nice to see that in a video, somebody else, you know, doing the same thing or similar to, to what the rest of us are doing. It's kind of, kind of refreshing than a just, you know, quick to the point, here's the answer. And you don't get to see any of the behind the scenes stuff of how they got to that answer. Yeah, for sure. And I, you know, to, to speak on both of those paths, I think they're both good. I think both types of videos are good. You know, I know when I'm stuck on something, like I'm thinking of like my RV, when I had like algae on the uh, transfer pump inlet on a diesel and I don't work on diesel. So I needed an answer like quickly on how to test this fuel system. And so I wouldn't have necessarily time for a standard interview in that moment. You know, I'm kind of, mm-hmm. I'm kind of stuck here in a 40 foot bus and I need an answer. And and I wasn't looking for a silver bullet, but I was needing a more concise, more to the point, you know, video where most of my videos are not like that. Most of my videos are what you said, where I, I literally just turn the camera on and let's troubleshoot this car together. And here's my thought process. And, you know, it's really good for the training aspect. And, and some people don't don't see that. Or maybe they lose that idea when they, you know, find me like a first time viewer might find me and they're, you know, I'll, I'll always have those kind of comments like 40 minutes. I don't have time for this. <laughs> you talk too much and you're full of yourself and you get those comments, but they just don't know what I'm, what I'm doing. None of this is staged. None of it's practiced before I turn the camera on. When you see me surprised that, you know, um, you know, something that happens, it's a genuine moment. And if I, if I did that, in hindsight, I'd have to pretend to be excited or, you know, those moments. I like those moments and a lot of people do. And I, I think it's great for an education uh, standpoint, but along those lines, we've also realized for, for uh, some, they need some quicker points. So for example, I had a Toyota Echo had a nice, nice case study with a bad block ground on the intake manifold. It was a junkyard engine. And when they bolted up the ground, to the intake, um, that was the problem. It had, you know, check engine light running problem, hardly ran, you name it, tons of parts thrown at it. Great case study, but it's one that I use still to this day to say, you need to do voltage drop testing 
leave that ohm meter in your toolbox for this test because that ohm of that computer ground measured the ohm test was zero ohms. It was perfect. It was perfect. But when you voltage drop tested that ground with the computer plugged in, it, you could see four, seven volts on this computer ground. And so that 40 minute video is great when you're watching the process, mm -hmm. but when you want to teach a concept, a piece, I want to, I want to teach this group of students about voltage drop testing. I don't want that 40 minute video. I want five minutes of it, maybe 10. And so what I started doing, I started taking my long videos and cutting them down. What I'm calling them scanner dander shorts, or no, I'm calling them, uh, uh, what am I calling them? Uh, quick tips. So okay. if you see like quick tips next to one of my video titles, I'm taking that 40 minute video and I'm breaking it to five under 10 minutes where it's like key points. And I'm using that for myself as a teacher. And then the idea too was for other teachers that you want to find these key points, show pieces to your students. That's going to be for you. And then the other one would be that guy that's stuck. He knows, he knows the process. He's, he's been following me for a while. He needs a little bit of guidance on a particular test. And that's the video I'm going to refer him to. And so we started doing that. I have like 560 videos on, on YouTube and I have like <laughs> 450 videos on my premium. Holy cow. So I literally have like a thousand videos that I can do this to. And I actually have a friend of mine who's not even a mechanic who I've given a part-time job to help me do this. So I have another friend that I brought into the fold who's editing behind the scenes and helping me do these quick tip videos and uh, but that's the idea with them. And I'm, I'm excited about that. But but you're right. The process is good. Number one, you want to see that, especially as a new student. You need to see the process. You need to hear the thought process. So you understand how to do that. And then for the more experienced guy, you understand the process. You understand the idea. You just need a little bit more guidance on certain tests. So I'm trying to do both. I'm trying to do both. But wait, I got to add one more thing. Okay. Because I know those people are going to be like, oh, you're changing what you're doing. I'm not changing what I'm doing. I'm just going to turn the camera on and film like I always have. I, I, I'm not changing that. That is not changing. We will film live. You'll hear my thought process. The only thing we're changing would be the after production stuff. After we produce the video, the long version, uh, down the road, you might see a quick tip version from that video. So that's it. We're, we're just doing a little more, more editing on the side. That's all. Just, just adding some more tools for people to to use your content in a different way. So, yeah, we we haven't done many. I might have maybe seven or eight uh, quick tip videos so far. So we have like nine hundred more to go. <laughs> <laughs> um. Well, so you've been uh, out there, seen any interesting vehicles or problems recently? Anything that's top of mind you'd like to share? Yeah. No. I mean, there's. Two off the bat I can think of. One is um, don't ever turn an airbag module on its side with the key on. Okay. <laughs> um, I blew up some side curtain airbags. So um, that was, it was a car and people have been wondering about this and they want, want me to produce this video. And Caleb and I have been sitting on the footage of this video. We just been using pieces of it. Uh, the long story short with that one was um, it had um, side impact sensor faults that would not go away, had brand new side impact sensors. And uh, I was going through the motions of, you know, the flow chart and the code and making sure I was on, on the correct component and testing it. And, you know, of course the manufacturer wants you to do ohm testing and you know, you know, my feeling on ohm testing, I always want to do voltage testing and that's not a problem. You're not going to hurt anything by grabbing a voltage reading on a side impact sensor. Um, the problem comes when the, everything points to a bad engine computer. Or, or I'm sorry, everything points to a bad airbag computer. And I was right there. I was ready to call it. I, the, the final steps that I wanted to do on that airbag module was to do a power and ground test like I do on every other. Unfortunately, where it lived, I couldn't I couldn't do that. I had to unbolt it to move it so I could get to the connector so I could do loaded circuit plugged in power and ground testing. So I'm doing that, and I realized this module has no grounds. There are no ground wires on this module. And, and now all of a sudden, with it unbolted, I have no communication with this module. And I realized, okay, the how ground. I, I, I didn't – I've never seen a module that didn't have a ground wire. No ground wires on this module. The housing is the only ground. 
So, you know, smart me, I'm like, well, I'm going to put a wire to the module housing because now I can talk to it. Now I can do loaded circuit, at least power tests. That was my fatal error. I didn't know side curtain airbag systems. I never worked on one with side curtain airbags and the side curtain airbag systems. You don't have to be driving it for bag deployment. You can be sitting still if, as long as the key's on and there's power to that module. If that module flips over, that means you were just hit by a car on the side and you're laying on your side and the side impact, the side curtain <sighs> bags will deploy oh, when man. you take that module and you turn it. So all I did was grab the module and I turned it and I blew the side curtain airbags. It was a $1,500 mistake in one moment. So that's fun. Uh, we, we did that one. Uh, well, that had to scared the crap out of you when those went off, huh? <laughs> Oh, I have it on foot. I have it on film and I've used it in the past couple of videos, the clip where, you know, you just hear a lot of beeping going on. And uh, <laughs> uh, it was it was a it was an awful, awful moment. I think we will produce that that video at some point in time. People have been asking for it. But that's the that's the gist of that one. And, you know, it it, it it's just one of those things you live and learn. Don't don't turn the airbag module with the key on it. The engineers were smart. That's why they didn't put a ground wire on it. They knew the technicians <laughs> were going to unbolt that module and we're going to have the key on and they were going to move it around and they knew it. And so they put the ground on the housing. Gotcha. And, okay. and you know, me recognizing that it didn't have a ground and giving it a ground was my fatal, was my fatal error. Well, that and with the key on and turning the module, just simply turning the module. So yeah, it's given me a newfound respect for airbag systems. That's for sure. Um, yeah. Okay. So that'd be one. That would be one. You know, then, then of course you got your, you know, your newer cars with, you know, 15 different modules, you know, or more talking on a CAN network and having a high speed CAN network crash that's intermittent. And I have this customer right now. He actually has a scan tool. And I literally gave him a scan tool. He's, he's actually a former Rosedale tech student who never made it to my class, um, for whatever reason. And he's really interested in it now. And I got reconnected with him through Facebook and we're literally in the middle of this process now it's a 2018 duramax with a intermittent high scan network fault and he he's been it's been happening for 10,000 miles and uh six months so he puts a lot of driving on he's a tow truck driver but uh six month problem for 10,000 miles and uh so right now we're in a four-day period where it hasn't done it at all and that's the problem with some of those is you got to make it do it to be able to make a call you're not making a call there is no, you know, what some people think there's some magic test on these new CAN systems. There is not. Um, if it ain't broke, you ain't fixing it. I don't care what you're working on. So recreating intermittent false, none of that's changed. You know, the, the more I touch these CAN systems, uh, you know, some people uh, were so afraid of them. And what I'm seeing is this is just the same stuff we've always been dealing with. This is it, it's a little bit newer. It's a little bit different technology, but, you know, finding opens, finding shorts, finding bad modules, recreating intermittents, nothing has changed. Yeah. So. Yeah. The challenge on those is, yeah, that network goes the length of the vehicle in a lot of, a lot of cars. And so if you're not sure which direction you're going, yeah, you've got, you know, tons and tons of wire and modules to consider that whether it could be a fault here or short there, or it could be that module. And that's where, yeah, an intermittent yeah. one on a network. That's, that's, that's tricky for sure. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, use your code storage as your guide. And that's what we're doing is, you know, clearing faults and getting immediate code read. Like I told uh, Brandon, I'm like, listen, I want you to clear all these faults. And the second this thing acts up, I want a code read. And so that did give us some direction and, and uh, we're making some headway on that, but, but that's the key. I mean, a lot of guys want to get crazy with the, with the lab scope and all that other stuff. And that's great. If it's happening right now, if you have a problem, that's happening right now. Look, it's the same thing. We've been learning your fundamentals and you can troubleshoot that system. Um, the intermittent ones. Yeah. Not so much. <laughs> right. You know, I'm not willing to roll a dice. I'm not willing to throw a module at a car just because I think that's just not me. And so I want to prove it. And sometimes that, you know, that's just the way it goes. I, when I produce this video, we talk about that in it. I'm like, if I'm a, if I'm the owner of the truck, I'm pissed off. If I'm the technician, I'm pissed off. If I'm the garage owner, I'm pissed off. Nobody's happy right now with this diagnostic. It's only fortunate for me that I don't charge to do what I do anymore. 
And the camera is what pays me and the footage is worth it to me. Even if I spend a ton of time on this, it's worth it for me to continue on this path because it's ultimately a great learning experience. So he, Brandon found the right guy on this one, but uh, as a technician in the field, you're not happy. How do you handle cars like that? I don't know. I, I don't have an answer. I mean, the answer is you send them away until it happens more often, or you have that car running next to you in the shop while you're fixing other cars and making money. I mean, that's just the way it goes. And, you know, sometimes, sometimes you, uh, um, you can get them like that and sometimes you can't. And, um, you know, I, I would say for a, a piece for encouragement to the techs out there is when you do, uh, duplicate that fault, when you do fix that problem, you know, that becomes, that becomes part of your memory bank. You you might you might have lost your ass on that particular one, but that same car and that same maybe not even the same car, but a similar problem, you're gonna see for the next 20 years that you're gonna make money off of. And so I've always said that. Like a, a lot of us have this narrow um insight as to making money in this field. And you know, this I remember having a Cadillac that I had 20 hours on and I got paid for two. And, oh and that was a, a, a car that legit, I, I made money off of that problem for the next 20 years. I mean, so the immediate gratification, sometimes we have to put that aside and remember that when we fix this thing, it's going to help us. And there's one more piece, though. There's one more piece. You can't just be happy that you fixed it. You need to know where you went wrong. Let's say you put a module in it and that didn't fix it. And then you then you put another module in, maybe it did. It's important to know why you went wrong on that first one and where you went right on the second one. Uh, because if you don't spend the last five, 10 minutes after it's fixed and you don't know the answer to that, then you did just waste your time. That 20 hours you spent on that call that you only got paid two for, that is going to happen to you again because you didn't spend the time to figure out what you, where you went wrong and and make that part of your memory bank that you'll never do that again. And that's what that's what a lot of people fail to do. They fail to follow up what they're doing when they make a right call. They're not really sure what they what they, they did to fix it. They're just happy that they got their money and the vehicle is leaving. That is the wrong approach. I promise you that's the wrong approach. Yeah, that's that's great advice. Uh, analyzing your process, right or wrong, uh, you know whether you screwed up or, or you made the right call, uh, that can be so valuable. I, I know for me doing this podcast, I'll go through some case studies and really writing everything down after I've done it uh, has been beneficial to me to look at the the you know what my thought process was at the time and why I took a wrong direction or why I made a bad call on something and what what was I thinking in that moment and then the next time when I'm in that same spot I can be like well hang on a second last time you know I I thought I was going to go this way and I was wrong yeah. and so now I can I can use that in the future so yeah that's that is really good advice for anybody that's out there doing this stuff yeah, for sure. And then and then for us instructors or guys that want to get into teaching, you know, that that particular case study, when you when you follow up on your mistake, becomes part of your class. It does. You're going to use that and you're going to talk about that with your students and you're going to you're going to use that example of where you failed. But you you recognize where you went wrong because you took that extra step to figure it out. And then it becomes part of your class. And you never know what you can end up doing with information like that. You don't. And And for me, in my case it ultimately ended up becoming a book and and that's what i'm selling you know selling a, a book of 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 i don't want to say i'm selling a book of mistakes that's probably not the right way to say that <laughs> um, <laughs> but but um uh, you know the stuff that i wrote down over the years for my class was was refined by mistakes it was trial by fire it's like i can write this down and i can know that this is exactly how it works and even if some of the bigwigs in the field want to take issue with the, either A, the terminology I'm using, or B, my internal circuit design understanding of what's inside the board, you know, my answer to that is I don't care because this works. This is the path that you can follow on this type of circuit every single time. And there is not a variable. Well, 
there's always variables, but <laughs> you know, my dumbed down mechanic version is really what I've given to people, you know, to help them understand and follow it. I'm okay with that. Now, unfortunately, now that I'm, I'm global in, in my stuff, I do get people that will critique certain things and you know, it's okay. I, I'm, I'm okay with that. I understand the, there might be a little bit more than what I'm saying, but that part like doesn't matter. You know, I, I'll give you a quick example. One would be like the internal workings of a Hall effect, like what's actually inside of a Hall effect sensor. Sure. There's like a, there's like a permanent magnet and a Schmidt trigger device and a analog to digital converter. And there's a, then there's a transistor. And, you know, when I talk about that, I'll draw like scribbles for all the other stuff and I'll just talk about the transistor. And it's real easy. If you think about the Hall effect, it's a freaking transistor. It turns on and off. And is that when that thing turns on and off, is it going to modify a voltage from the computer or is it going to send a signal that it generates on its own to the computer? And those are your two different types. And that's what you need to worry about. I don't care about the Schmidt trigger device. Who's Schmidt? Joe Schmidt? <laughs> Jim Schmidt? Some guy's last name. Don't even care. That's not important. Like that's cool to talk about when you're having a beer and you want to really talk about circuit design with your buddy who's like super smart. That's great. But that's not going to help you fix the car. When it comes to fixing the car, let's dumb it down, bring it to a practical level, and let's talk about it like this. And and so you know that's that's what that's what I've done. Yeah, I had uh, Matt Fanslow on uh, recently, and we we had that kind of that same discussion. Is you know, what is more important that you know every intricate scientific detail of how all this stuff works, or that you can actually fix it in a timely manner and maybe not care about all the details. It's cool. It's interesting. I want to know how it works, but sure. it does, doesn't always matter in real life. It's especially if you're, you know, in your average shop and you're on yep. flat, flat rate, it doesn't matter at all. Can you fix it? That's, that's what matters. So uh, yeah, right. I, I, I agree with that. Yeah. I, I still find myself drawn to that direction of wanting to know all the details, but I think it's just my yeah, curiosity. For sure. And, and you, you mentioned, uh, you mentioned Matt Fanslow. He would, he would be the guy that you'd want to talk to over a beer about <laughs> the Schmidt trigger device and how it actually works. Cause he, th that, that guy is brilliant. He really is. I mean, he, but he's also one of those guys that understands and he can, he can bring it down to a level for that everyday te technician to talk to and, and teach those types of things that they need. And, you know, the other stuff is for, for a later time when you do have an understanding of how the circuit works, when you can positively identify, is that sensor bad? Do I have a wiring problem or do I have a computer problem? And if you can positively say yes to those three things, then at a later time, you can talk about the real intricacies of how it's actually working. And because those parts aren't going to help you fix the car anymore, they're just going to, well, I, I shouldn't say that. They can give you some insight that maybe you didn't know before. And you might be able to, you know, look at some obscure waveform on a scope that no one would be able to recognize and be like, oh, that's a bad X, Y, or Z because you you know the intricacies of the internal circuitry. But that's, you know, that's later. That's for later. That isn't for that isn't for the guy that's first learning this field. That's for sure. And right. you know, my whole career path has always been that guy. And some people have the misconception of that they find me and my stuff's too advanced. And I'm like, no, it's really not. Like I, I'm taking a, a, I am taking the guy that knows nothing and I am bringing him from nothing to a foundation where he can leave my class and then go build on that. So that's the idea. And, and, you know, sometimes someone will catch me, you know, catch a video of mine that was really intended for, you know, like week eight, uh, you know, or, you know, month eight, you know, it depends on how, how, how you're following and how much time you have. But, you know, I, I guess my suggestion to those types is start from chapter one in my stuff and don't miss a video. Just park yourself it, it, with my online stuff, like in my class and in my chapter one, page one lecture, that's where you need to be. And then the answer is don't skip anything. Just watch them all the way through and, and, and. I can get to where you need to go. Yeah, that's uh, that, that, and that that's so powerful for anybody trying to learn and students that they they really do focus on the basics and, and for instructors too. That's what that should be our goal is that students or people learning this 
their goal should be to get the basics down extremely well, to be a master at the basics and then transition out to your career and start learning the, the fancy intricate stuff. I don't think it does that much service to teach to a beginner more advanced stuff. You can touch on it. You can use it here and there, but most of my time that I try to, you know, spend with my students, like when we're doing electrical is let's just understand these basics. And I want you to know them like the back of your hand when you leave, and then you can transition into some more complex stuff down the road, but getting those basics down, that's, that's, what's going to get you there. That's, what's going to set you apart. I think when you're out in the field. I agree. And and when you think about it and you look back at a lot of your case studies where we can even call them even advanced ones, when, when we look back, most of the time when you're fixing that car, it hinges on a basic concept. It really does. It hinges your diagnostic call, like literally hinges on a basic concept that you used to troubleshoot that complex issue. Uh, was a basic fundamental principle that really doesn't change. I, I had a comment just yesterday uh, because I, I put a video, my career path I, um, yesterday on YouTube and on Facebook. And I had a guy come in and say, that's all well and good, but what about the electric cars? My reply to that is what about them? Uh, electricity doesn't change. It follows the same principles that I've been, I've been practicing on the, it does just because it's a gasoline engine. I'm dealing with electrical and electronic systems that I guarantee you, guarantee you transfer directly to that electro- electric car. So, yeah, I'm sure there's different things to learn about the motors and the phases and all of that. But as far as the controls and everything, I mean, we're still we're still talking about basics. We're talking about basics and that that um, that's a misconception to to have an idea that, you know, let's say I, I do a case study on a 2006 model year instead of a 2016 model year. And, you know, one guy's like, oh, I'm going to, I want to watch this 2016 one. I don't care about that 2006 one. You're, you're missing the boat because that 2006 one might have a problem that is unique, uh, that, that I was able to catch and show you that I promise you applies to every single car that's on the road that has a computer from 1984 all the way to 2000. Uh, in in 20 uh, where we are now and and that same principle applies and you know ignore the year of the car it's irrelevant it's irrelevant yeah electricity doesn't care what year it is (laughs) no it does not well hey you've given a ton of good recommendations to anybody that's listening but i do always like to ask my guests if you have anything specific for somebody who's trying to improve themselves who's trying to learn uh, maybe a younger technician and could be a tool, a resource, a website, a video. Do you have anything specific for uh, somebody who's listening? Well, yeah, for sure. I mean, um, for those that don't know who I am, it'd be my website. You can visit my uh, website at www.scannerdanner.com. Um, I have uh, resources available. I do all of my online uh, or all of my classes that I taught now for the past 20 years. I've recorded and I have on my website that you can actually be part of my class remotely. Uh, I've written a textbook that really was formed from what we talked about, um, refined by mistakes in the field, brought into my classroom what I felt was important foundational stuff. I really feel like I hate to promote myself, but I, I feel like I have the resources. If there is someone that A, can't go to trade school, B, wanted to learn more the trade school they were at, see a mechanic who's in the field, maybe who, who knows how long, 20 years. I have a friend that's doing this now. He's in the field 20 years, never had the opportunity to learn electrical, electronic diagnostic work. And he's now taking my classes and he's excelling at what he's doing. And he's now getting these jobs where he's not doing, you know, brake lines, uh, install rusty brake lines for the day. He's got that check engine light problem and they're giving him that kind of work. And I have those resources available. They're there. Uh, you know, from my site. And of course, YouTube's a free resource. There's 590 some videos. So um, I, I would just recommend anyone to to um, grab what's out there, man, not just me, but there's plenty of other content creators, uh, too, on YouTube, Facebook that are producing some astounding stuff. And um, uh, yeah, I mean, 
it's it's pretty remarkable the age we live in the amount of resources available is is pretty cool and there's there's two i think two other things if i can if i can talk about um yeah, before go ahead. we wrap it up um one one is um i am planning for outside um uh, students so um not for our students at rosedale but like a class for the open to the public that we are planning for an april of 2021, the end of April, which was originally scheduled, we were going to have Brandon Steckler come in and do the his pressure transducer class. But in light of COVID and the varying schedules, it was just too difficult to commit to that with him that April, end of April 2021, because we still don't know. COVID might change everything. But I'm going to do the class myself now. And um, that's going to be one where um, we're using all of that revenue for that those classes for our 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 grant funds at Rosedale. So, and that really is going right back into the community. So that's the idea. And the class that I'm gonna be doing is gonna be my circuit integrity uh, identification and bias voltage. That's gonna be the class that I'm gonna be hosting. I'll be the only teacher for it that will be open to the public. So I'll have more info on exact dates here um, soon, but I wanted to make that announcement. And then one more piece, I wanted to plug uh, AES Wave, our friends at AES Wave. Um, I am also offering a grant for tools uh, to shop at AES Wave and um, AES Wave offered to match my contribution. So let's say there's a a guy that, you know, needs help and and, uh, wants a tool um, and, and maybe he can't afford it, but he really could use it. And if, you know, I, I get his name through, you know, word of mouth or whatever. And so if I say, hey, if I say to the guy, here's a hundred dollars to an SD grant of a hundred dollars to shop at AES wave. Well, AES wave matches that hundred and it becomes $200 when they do that. And so I've partnered with AES wave to do that. And that's like all of my tool revenue. My, I, I get affiliate stuff. Like when I mentioned tools and companies, I get affiliate revenue. All of my affiliate revenues going into that um, uh, SD grant at AES Wave. So we have the SD grant at Rosedale Tech for the students. We have the SD grant at AES Wave for the tools. And I just wanted to plug that because this, this is not all about me. I hate, like I said, plugging my stuff. I know you asked that. Uh, of course, I'm, I feel like I have the resources people need, uh, but I don't want to be selfish with it. And I'm helping people. You know, I mean, look, there's been people from Uganda that they don't have a dime and I'm just giving them access when they email me and they want to know, hey, how do I how do I pay for this? Because this is like a, you know, a week's worth of wages for, you know, the eleven dollars a month I charge. And I'm like, listen, man, I'll just give you access here. Here here you go. So behind the scenes, I'm doing stuff like that. It's not about me. Um, I'm so grateful for the opportunity that has been given to me and I don't take it for granted and I'm not a greedy person. I think to some, uh, you know, those of us that push our stuff, it seems that way. And I'm look, this is my job. So it's what I do, but, uh, you know, it's not all about me, Sean. So just want to make that clear. Hey, no, honestly, you are one of the more generous people out there, uh, whether it's this field or not. Uh, I see all the stuff you're doing to give back, to the automotive industry and just people in general. Uh, it's, it's really, really inspiring to see that. So, um, you know, I I'll, I'll tell you, thank you for doing that, but I'm sure there's a whole lot of other people that feel the same way. So just, uh, yeah, keep on doing what you're doing. Thanks, Sean. I I appreciate it. I appreciate the opportunity to talk with you today. And, and, uh, I think you're doing a good thing, bringing awareness to the field and, and, um, it's just, um, yeah, it's just an honor to be here and, and to talk with everyone. And, and uh, I look forward to, you know, what the future holds and helping each other out, especially in the climate, the, this day and age, when, when we, when we treat others as we would treat ourselves, um, it really makes a difference in this world. And so I, I, I'm driven by that because this me first idea of life is not going to work. And if we all have that attitude, then we're not going to have anything real soon here. So uh, it's time to help our neighbors and love our neighbors as ourselves. That's, that's, uh, that's a good thing to live by. 
All right. One more big thank you to Paul for coming on the show today. I really enjoyed sitting down and talking with him. Make sure to check out all of the links in the show notes. Uh, make sure to check out uh, scannerdanner.com or scannerdanner premium. I'll have all of the links in the show notes. But thank you to everyone out there listening. I really appreciate it. And uh, we'll see you again next time. Until then, let's get out there, start fixing the world one car at a time. <laughs>